I'm joined today by Andrew McConnell from Rented.com. Andrew was on the show at the beginning of the year, 1st of January, to talk about his predictions for 2020, but he never saw this coming. So we're catching up six months in to see what he thinks about, you know, what we knew at that time, what we didn't know at that time, and how we're dealing with it and where it's taking us all. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. Gosh, it's hot today. As I'm recording this, I'm sitting down in my basement office, which is should be cool. Should be cool down here, but it is not. So uh, if, uh, if I uh, expire slightly. <laughs> However, it's a lot cooler than it is elsewhere. So talking about cool, I'm talking to Andrew McConnell today of Rented.com. And Andrew is one of the coolest people I know because he has his finger on the pulse of this business. He knows it inside and out. And as you know, for those of you who've been listening to the podcast a long time, he is always my first guest of the year in January. And now we're six months into 2020. I wanted to uh, catch up with him and reflect on what we talked about this January and talk about what COVID-19 has done to the business what changes it has wrought so far, and how enduring those changes will be, and what other changes we might look at in the next six months and perhaps years to come. So without further ado, let's move straight on over to my interview with Andrew McConnell. So here today with Andrew McConnell from Rented.com. My goodness, Andrew, a lot has happened since January when we last talked. Yes. <laughs> the, someone in our Slack channel had posted kind of early in this, my God, what a week it's been. <laughs> Me, Monday at 10 a.m., right? And then uh, I think one of our newsletters, somebody put in, what a decade this year has been. And so instead of just doing our annual look at the year forward, uh, I think it makes a ton of sense. Let's check in halfway through because we've had more than a year so far in this year. Oh, for, for sure. For sure. And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to touch on in a minute what we talked about back in January and sort of reflect yeah. back on how much of that is valid. And then we're going to talk through, you know, what, what does this all mean for us going forward? And I, I know we, we're, we're currently talking with a web developer talking about a new website because the reason we can do a website and build one through July and August is that we are sold out. We've got 150 properties. We have not a single week remaining. Nothing. And we've never... One congratulations. <laughs> the one thing being in revenue management, I would say, is a completely full calendar too far in advance. <laughs> it always gives me a little pause. How much money did we leave on the table there? That's one of the things It's even though this year has been terrible for so many, we, we had a customer reach out yesterday. It's like, I just, I have my three biggest months ever the next three months. I'm after just these three, I'm at 80% of everything I did last year. And it's because, you know, as soon as stuff started opening up, we priced around what the demand was. And so you have to, you have to be responsive on both sides. We, we, right? we the, did the, not, we didn't even have the chance. We opened up on, June the 5th, and we were working 14 hours a day after that. We brought all our staff back from furlough. We just yeah. we just took the bookings. Well, that was it. So we did all of that in eight days. That's amazing. I mean, I would say, not, not to push it too much, but that's the 100% reason we exist, is we know you're working 14-hour days, and you're doing a million other things. This is what rented.com, we full-time have a team doing revenue management. So we would have made sure, but I'll just throw that out there, but we can talk. Ah, we, we, we can talk about that uh, another time. Yes. And, yeah. I mean, our, our big issue at the moment is bringing in more properties. So that's, yeah. that's, that's the next thing. And, and people are buying because that's the other thing is that the market for country properties 
isolated, mm. private, secluded, has gone through the roof. Everybody now wants to buy up in the country. Selling. Yeah. <laughs> the supply is low, but there's a lot of demand. That's another one where, you know, you got to work on that pricing. Yeah. So let's, let's just double back a little bit on what we talked yeah. about in January, because we had such a, we had such a great discussion. You taught me, I mean, you've taught me all I know about <laughs> the money flowing into the short-term rental space and how it all works, because I, I really had no idea. And, you know, we, we talked about is the party ending for this, the startups? And I'd be, so that's something I'd like to, to cover. You know, what, what's happening with them right now? Where, where are all these businesses that, that took in all this money back in the latter half of 2019? How are they uh, handling it all now? And what else do we talk about? We talked about, yeah, we talked about traveler behavior changing. And, you know, we, I, I said we'd been complacent last year because we got to June the 1st and we had 500 weeks remaining last year. Yeah, and yeah. then you went to talk, you talked about punctuated equilibrium, an expression I've actually used in a Stephen conversation. <laughs> since. In gold. <laughs> yeah. You know, not keeping up with travel, changes in traveler behavior. And we paid the price in the massive drop in bookings. And now I want to, yeah. I want to talk to you about, well, where do we go from here? So... Let's kick off, you know, I'll, I'll, over to you. What did we actually expect from 2020 when we kicked off? Yeah, I, I think going into the year, we had come off three to five years of pretty heavy investment into loss-making companies. Airbnb had been sexy, VRBO, Home Away had gone public and then got bought by, for $4 billion. So people were saying, okay, what's the next wave? It's going to be tech-enabled property managers. It, it was all about that. And a lot of money poured in. Uh, you know, Vacasa more than half a billion, Sonder half a billion, Lyric 160 in one line. And I think when we were talking at the end of the year, looking forward, saying we're seeing what's happening with WeWork. Eventually, even investors get impatient. They want to see money. They they don't want to just keep throwing it down a well and hope that you know, some time, decades out, it's going to make money. So I think this is going to start to dry up we might see some of these companies that have raised a bunch of money not be able to stay open because they were dependent on bringing that money in. They couldn't bring enough from operations to, to keep their doors open. And what that's likely going to do is have a domino effect. So once one goes, our others are going to go. And the, the flip side of that is for longer running businesses that made money because they had to, because they couldn't keep their doors without making money, it was going to clear the way, maybe get some more owners in there that you talked about property acquisition. Hey, does that open up some owners that aren't with those other ones anymore? And maybe put some rationalization on pricing. And so instead of people just diving to the bottom to get top line growth, even though there's no margin, people start to think about margin. Are we making money by running mm -hmm. this night? Now, as we entered the year, we saw what happened with Hostmaker in Europe, and it's, okay, well, this this is kind of starting, right? That was probably one of the most well-funded in Europe, uh, other than what Boyo was doing with that leisure and a ways, and seemed right. And then a decade happened in four months, <laughs> and Stay Alfred went from $100 million in revenue in 2019 and $65 million raised to one day it's gone. Just keys dropped off and walking away. Mm -hmm. We saw, I mean, Eric Brion built the largest vacation rental management company in all of North American history with Cliff Johnson, who's now at rented.com. Shout out to Cliff. But they built, they had 24,000 homes. They bought Wyndham. They raised half a billion dollars. COVID hits, I mean, thousands of people for a load or without jobs and, and puts that whole thing into question. And so I think... These were trends I expected to start and see over a period of time. I don't think anyone foresaw what would normally take three years would happen in three months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but the, I, I, the, the flip side is, yeah, not yet have the local managers necessarily been able to reap the benefits of that because with the markets being shut down, there's how much can you do it? Mm -hmm. Okay, they're gone, but what, what are we going to do? I think when we say what's coming next, I think really separating that out in the short, medium, long term, very, very different with increasing levels of uncertainty on each of those. So as companies go under or, or fall through, I think you're going to see owners looking for a pedigree 
more from the manager. I, I don't want shiny branding. I want to see how many dollars you've raised. Mm-hmm. I want to see you get paid by your customers. Do you do you make enough money as a business? How long have you been making that money? Can I trust you're going to be here five years from now, 10 years from now? And I think that's one of the amazing things we've seen talking within the industry is, especially in the Southeast, we've dealt with oil spills. We've dealt with hurricanes. Like This is bad. There's no one saying it's not bad. But this is, we know crises. We've had crises and we, we know how to navigate through it. We know how to manage our cash and, and get to the other side. And I think that's going to be an important thing for homeowners. So, you know, I've talked about what's, what's happened to us in, in the past couple of, couple of weeks. I mean, we, we went as a, as a property management company. And I know many uh, seasonal companies like us, you know, we live, eat and breathe on July and August. So back mm-hmm. in April, when everything shut down, it was, okay, what are we going to do? Can we survive through to 2021? Is it likely this yeah. is all going to shut down? So come June the 5th, and that, that was June the 5th in Ontario. It was before that in, in Florida, and I know they went through some issues to actually get there, but they did open, and they had this same blast of interest. And now we, as, as I mentioned, we are sold out. But yeah, but it's something so, and I hate the word unprecedented. I, I've I've got into, <laughs> I've got anti all Uncertain these things. unprecedented. Yes, yeah. you know, and in yeah, it's unprecedented, and it's we're navigating through troubled waters, etc. I have a long list of these expressions now that I never want to use again. Banned um, usage. Yeah, yeah, out of an abundance of caution. <laughs> um, where do we go as as the, these companies that are now maxed out? For the summer, but we know that traveler behavior is changing dramatically. What is going to happen as we come out of this summer for a seasonal business? You know, what should we look forward to? Because, as you mentioned at the start, you know, this 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 thing isn't going away at the moment. This yeah. this pandemic is not going away. So I think what this his flag. I mean, we talked last time, kind of the punctuated equilibrium. We assumed what had happened in the past is going to continue to happen, right? That's not true. Things change, and so. One way to look at that is the trend of, oh, the industry is growing year on year. Oh, I can just raise rates 3% year on year. Oh, these things will continue on a straight line. That was never actually true. They, they may, we can look far enough away and it looks like it's a straight line, but it's all over the place. It's a scattered plot. And I think that's, to take pricing as an example, that's one of the dangers of just looking historical pricing. Okay, we'll use that to decide what's going on. No, you actually need to be responsive to demand. And as you're responsive to demand, you also need to be responsive of what is other supply doing based on that demand. And so as we look forward, I think this is where short, medium, long-term, it is going to be slightly different because on one side, there is not a segment of travel better suited to come out of this stronger than professionally managed vacation rentals. Every single thing that professionally managed vacation rentals offer is exactly what people want. I need to get out of where I currently am. I'm scared to get on a plane. I want to be separate and have space with my family. I've been a little too close to my family. I want, I want a little more space. So I, I think maybe condo, urban destinations are going to be hurt for a while mm-hmm. longer. I think condos are going to have a harder time other than people saying, look, I, I just have to have a vacation. But I think by far, four bedroom plus homes are going to see the, the biggest growth. And I think that that's going to be a trend for at least 12 to 24 months, if not longer. Because I think one of the things, you know, Canada is the second largest country in the world. Uh, US, we're pretty big. Each country, regardless of what country you're in, there is so much to offer that people didn't realize because it was, oh, I'll just hop on a plane. I'll go to Bali. I'll hop on a plane. I'll go here. And then wait, these national park shops are mm-hmm. incredible. This beach, I don't know if I found a better beach than Dustin. Like the white sand, it's so warm. It's, it's amazing. And so I think there will be a longer term trend for travelers to say, did I really need to fly 14 hours to go to this thing? to have some Instagram at this temple. Like there's so much great Instagrammable stuff within a four hour drive. Let me, mm-hmm. let me go do that. The other piece in this, you know, Airbnb seems to be making a lot of noise on it and, and kind of betting on it. And I'm just not sure how long-term this trend will be is as you come out of peak season, there are a lot of people that for the first time they and their companies have realized, yeah, actually you can work remotely. I, 
I don't need to be in the office every day. And in this, we've had certain markets, certain clients that are having record years, that were having record years prior to June, that were within a two-hour drive of an urban destination where people said, hey, I, I don't want to stay here through this. I'm going to drive out to this lake. And where that manager may have gotten you know, a couple three-day weekends booked in the past on that shoulder season, they were running out 60 days straight. So ADR went down a little bit, but the rev bar, you know, total amount they're capturing for those months, way off the charts. Similar, Arizona was way slower to shut down. People were fleeing California. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they were looking pretty good. So I think there's an opportunity to rethink. It used to just be summer vacationers, then you get kind of spring break, fall break, whatever it is, and snowbirds if you're in the Southeast. Now, I think there's a whole new potential customer persona that's similar to Snowbird, but not necessarily three months straight. You know, it's, it's longer term rentals at different spots that people say, hey, why don't we just go take a, a month break and, and work down in a, a new location? I, I don't know how long that trend is going to be. And I don't know how many people can really afford, especially given the economic turmoil to say, I'm going to pay a mortgage or a rent. Mm-hmm. In my primary and go do it elsewhere. So it, I'm still open on how big that market is. Yeah, that you you make an interesting point because I was I wanted to um, sort of discuss this sort of capturing the work at home opportunities because we we, we are seeing this going into just a couple just, yeah. coming in now coming in from September October. Uh, I want somewhere with the best Wi-Fi because I'm going to be working from home. You know, sort of a home type holiday. But I get it because the pricing is. Whereas in the summer, pricing doesn't seem to matter to many people. I'm taking a vacation. That's it. You know, we, we save right. up for a year for the vacation. Um, but but I, so, so you're saying that perhaps thinking in terms of how, how many people might want to do this in, in the low season months could be determined by the cost and by the fact that, you know, <laughs> it's just not economically viable for perhaps for them to do it. Cost and I think, you know, you're, you are – the, the spokesperson for Book Direct, I think it's a big Book Direct opportunity. I think this is where you go to your email marketing list mm-hmm. because it, I, I think back a little bit to uh, two examples, Vacasa early days, how they really took off was they rethought the Oregon coast. You said, all, all y'all have is June, July, August. That's, that's the Oregon coast. And I said, I don't know, these homes are still sitting here. The same number of people are living around what if we changed the pricing? What if we made it appealing to go take a three or four day city break or, you know, coastal break? And I think some of that rethinking of, yeah, I get this maybe a $450 night or $12,000 a week, you know, depending on the property in June, but what are my real costs October and November? And what is the market for it? How, how do I play with that? One on the pricing. Two, because people might not be searching, so like um, Blue Ridge, where he said, mm-hmm. hey, there's low demand. We're going to create an event that all of a sudden this weekend is the top one, whether you're creating an event with your area or you're just marketing people say, hey, you know you love coming here. I don't know if you've ever been here in October, but it's absolutely beautiful. Here's some pictures, you know, and to help you, here's what the rate would be. You can stay for a month for the same price you paid for a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know what the pricing is for your market, but really trying to find that sweet spot of supply and demand because you, you're sitting on the property. Yeah, absolutely. And we've, I mean, we've been doing this for years. You know, how do we get people out of the city uh, in, in the off season? I've talked to a lot of people sort of going up the East Coast where where the summer is their, is their time. You know, how do you get that traffic to come to you in yeah. in September, October, maybe even November, we we do struggle with November, but um, yeah. So so being creative about that is clearly the the way to do it. I'm glad you mentioned direct booking. We we did have a discussion in January about direct booking. You sort of felt it was a little misguided, and that people should be using the OTAs, which I I don't have an argument with at all. I think you know the OTAs certainly have their place in driving the traffic to you in the first place. Um, you know after that you can take it where you will. I have to say that the bookings we've got in the last two weeks 
85% direct. People aren't coming through the OTAs. This is where I'll change my tune a little bit. And I think there's a different short, medium, long term is because of what's happening to travel and where the OTAs other than Airbnb pull in a ton of their money from airlines and hotels and others. So they're very hurting. These are companies that spent billions of dollars with Google before. They were driving the eyeballs because they were at a scale no local manager could be paying for those ads. They've basically all turned them off, including Airbnb. Mm -hmm. So this, whereas I always said, look, definitely remarket to your people. That should always be the case. Rebook direct to me always made a ton of sense. The book direct, I don't know how long this point of time would be, but to build your brand and reputation this could be the time where it makes sense to, to hire a contractor to do something on some AdWords, on some paid marketing, because third-party channels aren't spending the dollars. Mm-hmm. So your price just went way down. And that's just all these new people that you're now the brand in front of them. So I, I've become a convert for the time being. Now, <laughs> time as soon being. as booking... Well, yeah, because it, it, only, it only, to me, makes mathematical sense yeah. if your cost acquisition is paying off a multiple of it. Mm-hmm. Now, as soon as they come back in and they're paying $4 billion a year to Google, your cost acquisition just went way up. You're, you're yeah. much better off putting that time and attention elsewhere. So that's why I said, I think it's a point in time thing. I just don't know how long that point in time is. I, I, I wasn't principled on it. I'm just, I look at the math. Yeah. It's, it's just a great opportunity to get out there and build that email and build those, those lists, build that email list. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, we're, we're doing something very simple at the moment. You know, we, we're, we're sold out, but every single request. Get on my get, wait list. <laughs> get on my wait list. Yeah. You know, absolutely. you ask for something, I'm saying, sorry, we've got nothing, but please confirm back to me that you'd like to go on the wait list and hear from us. And yeah. it's growing, you know, maybe 40, 50 a day at the moment. Whoa. I mean, think about when you're adding that many on and you're talking about, 150 properties total. It doesn't take that big a percent to say, yeah, you know what? At that price, I, I really did want to get there. I couldn't get there in June, but it, October would be nice. Like we'll, we'll wear some slightly warmer clothing. We can go hiking. It won't be so hot to go hiking. It's not 90 degrees, you know? Uh, so I, I think it, it opens up this whole new thinking on what a season is and what the persona is. The same person is a totally different persona by season. Their one week they come in June is my escape from work. I'm putting all that to the side. Their one month in October, their one month in February is I'm just feeling a little confined. Mm -hmm. I want to work. I want to have a a new background instead of my gray wall in my spare room (laughs) for my work from home. Yeah, absolutely. And this is what we are hearing from people. I want to move on to talk about regulations, because, yep. you know, in our sort of, yep. I guess we call it a micro market here, the shutting down of vacation rentals by the province, by our province, has, has all, all, almost emboldened some of the municipalities and townships to say, this is the time when we can say, okay, the Premier has said we are opened up, but we're not. And, mm-hmm. and we've had a couple of instances of issues going through council meetings that nobody's actually aware of. So that's, as I say, this is in our micro market. Tell me about regulations and what you're seeing at the moment. And if, if this is something that, that we need to think, be thinking about, which we all, always do anyway, in tandem yeah. with moving forward with this oddly odd new market. Yeah, I actually thought you were going to go the other direction on the regulation side. So I, I would say which, which what we've direction seen would kind that of be? coming. Oh, that they've... they've uh, well, I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. Okay. Well, no, 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 no. Like on what the implication was. But I, I'd say we always knew and we always talk about the regulatory landscape and how that... Oh, my market's never been touched, right? For 35 years. Well, that doesn't mean year 36, it won't be. <laughs> you know, that's not how it works. Yeah. I think what we saw this year, just like with the fundraising drying up and the acceleration is both an increase in the severity of some of the regulation of, yes, Florida as a state. Cool to stay in a hotel, you know, put 500 bodies in this little building, but no, go get a five bedroom house for four people. That's, that's dangerous. We had that. And so you had this extreme severity and then the speed, which all of this stuff was happening. And 
my what I had seen more from it was the reason hotels got open before is the HLA, the you know the American Hotel and Lobby uh, and uh, Lodging Association. It was the reason timeshares got open was Arda, right? They have these huge industry bodies that are very well organized. They our fragmentation is good and that allows each of us to run our own business and, and kind of learn best practices. But the lack of collaboration within a market can really, really harm our industry when it comes to stuff like regulation. And so what I had seen, especially because Cliff being on the governance of the VRMA and working so much in Florida with the local managers was I thought it was going to be a wake-up call. And now how long it stays going as people get busy making bookings is different but a wake-up call that we have to be proactive. It's not enough to play defense, guys. You all need to be on a team and you have to start playing offense. You need to start coming together and having a voice before the stuff. And it's, look, nothing I'm saying is, Matt Curtis has been saying it for 10 years, but I thought this might be the time that people hear the message a little better. Now, if people are doing stuff in city council meetings that are closed door anyway because people can't attend, that. That's very difficult. You're quarantined at home. You, you, don't, you can't even go to the meeting. The one thing that this brought out was the, the need for us to become more collaborative with our peers. And yeah. I mean, we've, we've had a very loose organization of agencies for the past three years. And in April, we said, hey, hey guys, we're all in this together. I hate that expression. We're all in this together. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Um, let's, uh, let, you know, let's get together. Let's start talking about it. We need to lobby, you know, we need to lobby the government, lobby our local MPPs and, and local government. And, and we did. And what came out of it was it was from a group of five agencies has now grown to a group of 11. We have, we have come to get, we're not meeting at all at the moment because we're all too darn busy, but we will do again. But what we did was, you know, we, we created a letter that was amazing, actually, in a Zoom meeting with 14 people. We wrote a letter that went to the Premier and the um, MPPs and other local organisations saying how professional management was dealing with the situation, how we would, yeah. how we would manage the comeback, how we would manage the issues in the local area with incoming tourism, which, of course, is, you know, we've all heard about, you know, the, the local you know, us versus them, the locals versus the visitors. So we came up with a plan yeah. to deal with that too. So that exactly what you said, we took that opportunity to create this um, collaboration, and that is going to go forward in in a very positive yeah. way. And I think it's a thing with some of the industry bodies. Historically, the vacation rental industry has been pretty good about collaborating across markets, right? In the sense of, hey, I don't mind telling you everything I do that works because you're 2,000 miles away. You're 500 miles away. It's a totally different season or it's totally different. And so we can do that. But within market, people might be friendly, but they weren't always friends. And there was a little more distrust. And I think being able to compartmentalize and say, look, I get that when it comes to capturing that guest, we may be competing, but to be able to capture the guests, we all have to be on the same team. We need, we need a world in which we can exist. And for us to have that world, we're going to have to work together in this area. And hopefully, we've seen some advancement on that, uh, as you said. And the big thing is continuing it because you're a couple months in and you're already saying, well, we're too busy, so we're not really doing anything now. But we will. We will, right? And it's as each day, each week, each month that you're not, Mm-hmm. It's harder to get back into it. It's just like going to the gym or anything. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like you, yeah. you build that habit and then you just do it. If you fall off, it's harder. Okay. Well, you can hold me accountable. So when we meet in January of 2021, okay. nice. you can ask me that question. <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, it's interesting what you say about, you know, sharing. And it's, it's different when people are way, way apart. We actually put together as a, t- as a, as a group, put together an, e- uh, an economic in- impact statement. And to do that, mm. we had to pull our figures you know we had to pull how oh, you know okay. what, what we were making how many guests how, how long yeah they exactly what were they paying exactly yeah. and th- that was you know unheard of i'd never have thought that we could all be so transparent with each other and, and yes you know yeah. they're, they're becoming friends and it's um it, it will go it will go forward you know sharon mitchie from 
Sanibel and Captiva Island. Okay. She has a, a similar organization down in that area and sort of is, you know, I'm sort of going to be using her as a little bit of a mentor in that. And I oh, think nice. I think that's great. Anybody out there who's thinking about doing this, find an area where this is really active. Um, you know, you yeah. mentioned Blue Ridge. They are just the most amazing example of collaboration mm-hmm. of uh, of companies and coming together and creating something. So so that's definitely something that we'll be we'll be taking forward. We we touched briefly at the start about Can how I, oh go on. I was going to say just just one thing on that of sharing the data and the, this was such a big hump to overcome of wow we shared this information. I realize he's controversial in so many ways, but Elon Musk when he started Tesla just made all the blueprints public. And his point was, this can only succeed if there's a whole movement to electric vehicles. We need other people making these things so that we institute the system and the network and everything around. And it's the long-term greedy play. It's saying, yeah, okay, maybe you get something in the short term, but for us to exist, for this whole thing to exist, we have to be together. So I, I think even outside of our industry, there are good corollaries for people having that Mm long-term thinking of how do we actually work together for the greater good? And I will benefit in this greater good by contributing. I'm going to take that one away with me. I'm going to take it away to this this team of people and just just talk about this because I I don't think we all realize how, you know, what a big step we were taking with that. It was just in the moment we had to produce this economic impact statement, very brief. And, you know, we just cobbled it together and yeah, let's just throw these figures into a spreadsheet and it really worked. So yeah, yeah, some great thoughts there. Okay. Where do we go from here? Yeah, I think, and this is where it really is short, medium, long-term. And when I say short-term, my goodness, I think (laughs) an hour before we started speaking, there's News comes out that Florida's crossed 4,000 new cases. And so there's short-term kind of making hay while the sun's shining, but also some concern on potential for cancellations. Like we've been here before where people look like they were fine for May and June four months ago. It was only in what happened in March and April that people were no longer fine in June. And then all of a sudden it opened up, they came back in. So I think there's a bunch of uncertainty, as I always tell the team, we cannot meaningfully influence or control what the virus does and infection rates. We cannot meaningfully control, though we can influence, as has been shown, what governments do in response to what the virus does. And we cannot meaningfully control, though we can influence, what potential guests do based on either or both of those things. So virus could be going off the charts. Government says... It's tough, but we need the economy not mm. to completely go down. And there are enough people to say, yeah, I'm willing to take the risk. I really want a vacation and everything's fine. Or virus doesn't go crazy, but governments do. And then no one is allowed to come. You know, there are all sorts of permutations. So I think where you have to go from here is what's the, the old thing? It's like strategic plans are worthless, but the act of planning strategically is incredibly useful. So thinking through and looking ahead, okay, if this happens, what, what is the mm-hmm. worst case? The worst case is it shuts down today. You know, what are my cash reserves? Have I set aside? Is it all in trust accounting that I can pay out and everything? I think you have to look differently, not, not just at your business or pricing or your relationship with the homeowners and, and not the past can be a guide, but it can't be the map. You need to look forward at what's happening now and what can happen in the future and have multiple maps in terms of how you're going to need to proceed with your business to be able to get through this. Because there's no way for us to talk about it right now, like we're on the other side. Mm-hmm. It, that's, it'd be irresponsible to be like, well, we got through this. And so now look, the calendar looks beautiful. Yeah. We're all set. That I don't know what your cancellation policies are, but as we've seen, I know 85% direct, if you're on a third party channel, doesn't kind of matter yeah. what you said your cancellation policies were at times. And to get a lot of these bookings, people had to open up those cancellation policies a little more. So I guess in the near term, you need a very tight ring. You, you need to be looking at it and not using the past really as a meaningful guide. In the longer term, and you have to survive the, meet, the near term to get there, 
I think it really is around personas. It really is around understanding, okay, my business used to serve this kind of guest. Now, if you're a fly to market, what does that look like? When does that pick back up? If that guest isn't coming back, who would be interested in this kind of thing? Rethinking what seasons there are. Back to, okay, yeah, we normally do our average day is 3.2 nights and we do this, but is there how many people live within a four-hour driving radius of us? How do I get in front of them through Facebook ads or my email campaign for people who have come in the past? And, And really rethinking the assets you have, which is a brand, which is providing hospitality and a great experience, and the homes you're managing. Mm-hmm. And who, in what different scenarios, what times a year, what groups would be interested in that? And going after them, not as just one kind of blob block, but as it goes. And, and, and I don't think that's static. I think that has to evolve as the market around evolves as well. I don't know if that's too vague. No, I, I you know, I, I, I don't think that's vague at all, actually. It's, I mean, the first thing that you were saying is, is that we, we can't make any predictions and it's not back to normal. So you've, you've got to have those contingency plans for, for anything. So it's not a matter of saying, well, in April, I had my emergency plan and, you know, it's all followed through and here we are and now everything's hunky-dory and we're going to be fine. Because at any point, as you're talking about Florida today, and other other states down south where those those numbers yeah. are just going crazy, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And DeSantis might be saying, you know, it doesn't matter. I, we're just going to keep the economy open and and growing. But if it if it comes to a point that he has to shut down again, it's going to happen. So you've got to be prepared for it. And if it gets too bad, I mean, whether it's shut down or not. I don't know many people who, whether it was shut down or not, were still going to fly to Northern Italy mm-hmm. back in February, right? And so if it gets bad enough, it doesn't matter what the government does. They can say restaurants are open. If no one's going to go well, to a this- restaurant because they feel like they're risking their life, it doesn't matter. And if no one's going to come from the UK, let's say, to Orlando, right. a-, a, because when they go back, they're going to have to go into another 14 days of quarantine 14. anyway, Right. Um, but they don't want to risk being there in the first place. It's, so so it, it's still, it's going to be volatile for a long time. It is. And, and I guess I, I would just want to make sure that this point that we're making is not COVID specific. I, I think it's COVID specific right now, but this idea of it's not all the straight line, whether it's regulation or prices or booking windows, whatever it is, it's that you have to be responsive to market dynamics. And the market dynamics are what your competitors are doing. You know, what are the alter- whether it's in your market or people are saying, hey, my vacation could go to A or B. How do you make sure they're coming to B? How do you make sure they're coming to you? It's how are they thinking about what they want from a stay? Is it a month-long mm-hmm. work staycation? Is it a totally checkout one week in, in a different time of year? And I think that principle of really going back to the seat of the guest and rethinking what a guest can be is going to be an important thing that is constantly changing. And if, if anybody takes, uh, there's so many lessons to take from all of this. As a friend who's a CFO says, that, man, this whole thing's way better than business school. <laughs> I've learned so much more through having to navigate all of this than I did in business school. But I if you're taking a lesson, I think that has to be the big one. Everything needs to build around your, your customer, your client. Mm-hmm. And whether it's COVID or anything else, the world is constantly changing. You know, it, it, vacation rental managers, it, it's a very interesting world in which we operate and that it's a terribly local, tiny business, right? How What percent? 90% are five to 10 employees, Right very, very local. We operate in a world of Googles and Amazons and Facebooks, Mm -hmm. but our whole industry is really, you can't scale right now scrubbing a toilet or washing sheets or knowing intimately, oh, John who owns that restaurant and Shelly who has that coffee bar, everything that goes into providing an amazing vacation rental experience. But at the same time, as local as that is, to get that guest, you're competing in a 100% digital 
and globalized world. And so you're pulled at both extremes, literally the hand-to-hand of local and as big and global as it gets. And how do you, how do you, sorry to use navigate, but how do you navigate? How do you reconcile those two or find the equilibrium of where to spend time and attention? I think that's going to be mm-hmm. an ever-changing, but ever-increasingly important issue that, that uh, managers are facing. I saw a post on, on my Facebook group um, the other day from somebody who's saying just that, you know, I'm, I'm a property manager. I've got not sure how many properties she has, but she said, I am maxed out. I'm wearing so many hats and I don't yeah. know which hat to give up or which hat to pass on to somebody else. And it was just a, a plea for help. And I know that that feeling of overwhelm, we called it our tipping point about you know, 10 years ago. When we got to that point, it's like we have to quit or make some significant uh, changes. And you know, we, we seem to got, get through that. But so what advice or help do you ha- can you offer to somebody who's in yeah. that position right now? I feel very strongly on this one. So this is one I, I would say do at an individual level and then also at a company level. And it's absolutely critical, but it's being a consultant, it's inevitably going to be a two by two. So one axis is how much do I enjoy doing this? And the other is how good am I? So if you are great at something and you love doing it, don't give that up. It doesn't matter if you're great at it and you love it, keep doing it. That's where you're going to find your your joy and you're delivering impact to your life and to your company. If you hate it and you're very bad at it, like, look, I, I'm just not that good at marketing. I don't enjoy this. Okay. Find a contractor, find, find a third party to do that. Whatever it is, don't want to sit in front of spreadsheets all day and try to update pricing. Like talk to runit.com. We, we have people that that's actually what they're very good at and they love to do. Then the, the real, those are relatively easy. Once you go through the exercise, I do this, it's taking time. I hate it. And by the way, I'm not very good. And it's being honest with yourself on what good looks like and relative mm-hmm. to the world, not just relative. Well, you know, I used to be much worse. It doesn't matter if you're still terrible, you're still terrible. There are others that can do it better. The, the tough thing is things I love, but I'm not very good at and things that I hate, but I'm really good at. And that's this balance of how much are you going to sacrifice yourself for the company in the near term to say, okay, look, I'll, I'll release some of these. And I actually think giving up those things you love that you're not very good at, whether at an individual or company level is incredibly empowering mm-hmm. because what it allows you to do, is get somebody who's much better at it and you can learn. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily mean give up forever. It's saying, I'm going to give it up for right now. And I'm going to stay on top of this. I want to learn why are they great? What, what can I take away so that I can move up to that top box if I want to take it back over at some point? That's, that's a lot. Now, it, it, the, the other one of I really hate it, but I'm good at it and it's needed. That's one of those tough things. It's, it's hard to outsource that. It's hard to hand that over because you need enough money to justify. Okay, look. I'm going to pay for those extra X number of hours a week back in my life, or I, it just the level of stress, not worth it. And I have the dollars to spend to give that to someone else. Mm-hmm. That, that for me is always the last box. The next step of course, is finding that someone to give it to. It is. I mean, the, the interesting thing at this time is there are a lot of people available with a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. And so talk to Chris and Galea on our team. That's, she has a whole database of people that have reached out because furloughs, layoffs, et cetera, have tons of years of experience, love the industry, but not every company made it through and, and, and through being mm-hmm. loosely used since we don't know what through looks like. <laughs> Indeed. So um, I'm going to ask you a second, just to elaborate a little bit more on what rented.com does, but before we go there, what do you see for the rest of 2020 in terms of, of projections? What, what should we be aiming for? Yeah, it, this is where having a global podcast is a little difficult because it's incredibly uneven. Mm-hmm. You know, just like the virus is uneven, just like the impact to date, we have lake markets that are having record years and we have others that are out of business because they were shut down in their peak time. Yeah. And so I think the rest of the year, it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be entirely uneven and it's going to be very, very specific to two things, your individual geography and market and how you respond or 
not even just respond, but proactively get ahead. So if things are totally shut down and you can't do short-term rentals, how can you expand what long-term rental look like? That probably means other people relatively near are going to be stuck at home longer. How do you start getting in front of them to offer two, three months at a time to at least start filling these homes? You need the plumbing running. You need electric lights turned on every now and then. You And you need money coming in your door. You're going to need to react and rethink, okay, who can legally come? Who can safely come? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? If your your market's opening up and you find a way to stay safe, et cetera, then there's that and, and you do it. But I, I think, I don't think there's one blanket answer. I think you're going to have to really look at what's happening on a real-time basis. Don't don't look ahead and get totally depressed because, oh my God, I can't take any short-term rentals. Okay, we'll rethink what these homes can be. Don't look ahead and think, I'm just printing money. It's all good. I can sit back mm-hmm. because we don't, we've been through this. We know cancellations can come in. We don't know what's going to happen. So you have to stay on top of it. You're not just staying on top of the guests that are already there. You have to stay on top of, okay, what's happening in the market? What's happening globally? What's happening in, in this geography to make sure that you're not the last one to act? I mean, you talk, talk about June 5th, uh, the market opened back up. Well, how close could you have been on that to maybe have adjusted? Like, think about if every single one of those, you would up the rate 10 to 15 bucks a night. Mm-hmm. 150 homes, three months. I mean, you start talking real dollars and that's just a little bit, but you see what you could do there. And so it's a, it's it's a hard job. Yeah. It's a very hard job. But what, what it comes down to, you, it's very local at the moment. It feels very, very local and your personas are local to you. And you know, the persona that works for us is not going to work for it's somebody in another province here in Quebec, perhaps, or in Nova Scotia certainly may not work for somebody in Destin. Um, so, yep. you know, the, the, this has been a such a great conversation, but the one thing I've really got out of this is persona and understanding that these have probably changed and it, it is really worth And will again. And will again. Yeah. Andrew, this has been fantastic. As, as, as ever, we always get to the hour and I think, oh my God, there's so many other things we want to talk about. But let, let's just close off by talking about rented.com, what you do and how you could have helped us. <laughs> yeah. So rented.com is the largest and obviously best full service revenue management provider. So you have pricing tools that have dynamic pricing. So they'll change the rates. We actually have the technology, the algorithm, and then the full on team to make sure that they're the right rates and you're actually making more money from having this. And so it's one of those things that you look at airlines, you look at hotels, and they have incredibly sophisticated technology and systems for pricing, but then they have full revenue management teams and data scientists and data analysts. Local vacation rental managers cannot afford a full-time revenue manager that's sitting on top of all their properties and all their rates. So what we did is we built the team at scale And then we can just do it on a per property basis. So, oh, you have 20 homes. Oh, you have 200 homes. We can right size just to you and your business. Like what Amazon does with AWS for server, Mm -hmm. right? Amazon Web Services says, whether you're Netflix or you're a small company of one person, we can sell you exactly what you need and use. Uh, And so we do that for local management companies. We see 30 plus percent revenue left. So it's one of those... It's a month-to-month contract. We do a 30-day free trial because we know we deliver value. We can show you, hey, you gave us a dollar. We gave you five back. It was a good investment. It's not a cost. It's an investment. Mm-hmm. So that's what we do at rented.com. Um, you know, our chief commercial officer is Cliff Johnson. had co-founded Vacasa. And it's one of those, we looked at the industry and just saw, this is an industry that needs and depends on the local manager. But the local manager does not always have the scale to do some of these things that a Vacasa or Sykes Cottages or Batch Garrett can build because they have scale. How do we give those local companies the benefits of scale that's right size for them? Mm-hmm. And so we're doing that through revenue management right now. Perfect. Well, as ever, your information, the ways to contact you and your website will be at the bottom of the show notes. So if anybody's interested to talk to Andrew, just go down to the show notes and, and you'll find that information. Andrew, perfect as ever. Thank you. Thank you, Heather. Stay and, cool. I and, know it's hot up there. And um, we will talk again in January 2021. And Sounds good. that's going to be a really interesting conversation because we have no idea what's happening between now no and then. Clue. 
<laughs> okay. No Just but I'm excited for it. Yep. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Andrew McConnell. Always an absolute pleasure to uh, to talk to him and get his insight into our wonderful world of vacation rental, which has just gone off the charts weird in the last four months. And as we're discussing, you know, it, it could very well stay off the charts weird for some considerable time to come. Huge thing I got out of that was re-examining personas. We, we've always worked with personas for different seasons of the year, different types of people come at different types of the times of the year. And we have a very closely defined persona for each of our sort of travel groups. And we know we have to go back and look at these again because they have changed. The people that are coming to us now are, are radically different. Many of them have not experienced our type of accommodation before. And just after I finished the interview with, with Andrew, we, were, we just went on and talked a little bit more about that, about what a great opportunity this is to sort of redefine how you onboard these very new guests because there's a lot of them. So, you know, you can build a new onboarding uh, structure, I guess, to make them loyal to you for some considerable time to come. Okay, so that's it for another week. And as ever, it's, it's, a, it's a massive pleasure to, to talk to you. I hope you're enjoying all of this. Uh, at the moment, I'm working on a direct booking project that will be announced very soon. In fact, next week, I am talking about it. I'm going to talk about different companies that have been doing direct booking for a long time and sharing some of their tips and suggestions on how you can make this work for you. Uh, as Andrew said, you know, this is an opportunity right now to capture more and more of these eyes and this market to convert to a direct booking model. So um, I'll be talking about that next week. So from me, it's as ever a big thank you for being here and away I go to my garden for the afternoon. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you and I look forward to being with you again next week. <laughs>